This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Janelle. I have dozens of plant babies. I don't use purses, and my resting heart rate is 48 beats per minute. Hi, I'm Maya. I live in Canada. I'm scared of horses, and you can always find me with a water bottle. Hi, I'm Rachel. I like to keep my nails so short that no whites show, if at all possible. I'm pretty sure my multivitamin was giving me acne, and I hate being rushed. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. All right, Steve. Um, so you're afraid of horses, Maya? Yes. Um, okay, so when I was a kid, I was not. Um, but that was like horseback riding horses, you know, when you go and it's like the horses are used to people. I don't know. I'm fine with that. Um, it's people's like personal horses or just horses where they're just walking around or running around terrified, like legs shaking, <laughs> can barely stand. Like I just like I'm sweating. I don't know. I just I think I heard too many stories of friends who had horses who had been, you know, like hit by them or bucked off by them. And yeah, I'm just I'm scared of them. And actually, my in-laws have two horses and I just avoid them as much as I can. So untrained horses. Uh, well, untrained, like they're trained, but ones that aren't like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, like people's personal horses. I just, me. <laughs> I, I, I do kind of get that because here where I live, there's hikes that are open space and I think they're technically someone's property. So they'll just be horses sometimes along the trail and that they freak me out I'm like are you a wild horse I mean they're not a wild horse at least I don't think they're a wild horse but I'm like you're gonna like come after me I'm on your land so I actually totally get that and the cows the same thing with the cows here like yes. they'll start to moo at you and they're like right next to the trail and I'm like are we friends are you gonna hurt, <laughs> are you gonna hurt me should I go somewhere else like, I do not want oh. a cow to attack me yeah, they're so big though, and that's the thing. And two, I have a a cousin who um, rides horses as well, but those are so the ones my in laws have are Western horses, so quarter horses, and they're smaller, but they're still massive. But my cousin does equestrian and jumps horses, and I don't know if you've ever seen one of those horses, but like their back is like six feet tall, and then their heads are just. Like they are just so big and so scary. And she actually got me to go into the the pen with one of them and help her give them like a bath or brush them or something. And whew, that was an experience, I'll tell you. I uh I thought that horses were supposed to be like therapeutic. They <laughs> <laughs> like they can, they can like read your energy or something. That's I know that there's like That's therapy the centers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know. I my dad was really, really allergic to horses, so I was really never around any. But I've always wanted to go to one of those. There's one in Texas where it's like a you can do like therapy with the horse, and I don't really know what it entails. But I think it's like I don't really know, but I really want to do it. <laughs> mm, yeah. But see, it does seem really cool, but yeah, I, I don't know. For me, they just yeah. But I get the therapy thing because they they do 
feel your energy and they do sense your fear. And like Janelle said, that's the scariest part is when you're scared of them and you know that there's, that you're scared of them. Uh, since you're like, oh, okay, well, hopefully they don't, they don't pick up on that, but they do. They know. <laughs> They're very smart. They're like, hey, hey, this human, <laughs> I, can, yeah. I got one up on them. I do remember when my parents lived in Northern California, I stayed with them for the summer, a, a summer in college. And I would run up and down the street and there was a neighbor that had llamas and I didn't know that they had llamas. And so one day I'm just like, you know, jogging past and all of a sudden llamas started charging the fence and they were aggressive, those things. I thought I was going to totally die. I've never, and I was running uphill and I was <laughs> literally dying, but like, I mean, I, I, it, there was a fence, but like, I, I, I was just like, A, those things are terrifying looking. Like, they don't look cute. They're absolutely scary. Llamas. I heard, no, they spit. They spit at you. And, it hurts, and yeah, it was terrifying to have these two animals. And I've never been around a llama. Like, when would I have ever seen a llama? I don't go to petting zoos. I, like, my dad, again, was allergic to every animal. So we never saw anything like that. And I'm just like minding my own business. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see these two crazy llamas start charging at me. It's awful. I'm gonna post I think I'd prefer I'm going to post a llama video in response to that. Well, actually, an alpaca. Because when I lived in Peru, of course, they're mm-hmm. all over. But we'll, we'll put a nice little llama video on the interwebs with you. That is so funny. Like, oh, llamas. Who has llamas in their backyard? There's llamas here in Dallas, too. People, like, really? people have them as pets, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Oh, so weird. That's like a, a 4-H thing. I feel like if you were a kid that grew up in the 4-H community, you have weird pets because you show them at fairs. I'm sure kids in Dallas do that, too. I know, but it's weird to have, like, a neighborhood home. It's not like a farm. Like it's a neighborhood. These are neighborhood homes. Yeah. Like there's not very big yards or anything like that. There was a girl in high school at my high school that had llamas and it was the same thing. Like they didn't live on a farm, but they had llamas and it was really hard on her. People called her llama girl. Oh. <laughs> I mean, there are worse things to be called, I guess, but yeah, people really made, made fun of her for it. Yeah, it is interesting, though. When I was in Egypt, I was not afraid of the camels. And I feel like I should have been more afraid of the camels. But I was scared of the llamas. I think it's the charging. Yeah. Yeah. And the spitting. Anything that can spit at you. I think camels can spit at you, too. Or do they just drool? I'm pretty sure. But these camels were very... They were treated but it's like a whole thing it's yeah it's a whole thing it's a whole other conversation (laughs) i know i'm like have you watched tiger king yet (laughs) i started to but i just don't have time to watch anything (laughs) yeah that's the only tv i've basically watched since quarantine but everyone kept talking about it and i hate not being in the loop and understanding social things so i had to watch it (laughs) my have you watched it Yes, I did, but I had to watch it. We had to watch it like one or two episodes in a day. We couldn't watch any more than that because it was just too overwhelming. Yeah. But we did we did watch it and it was just 
I don't know. That's just. Oh, yeah. Maya, you're the one who told me about it. Yes, because you asked me, like, is it worth it to watch? And I was like, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. Like, you could watch it and then just kind of see for yourself. Like, it's, I don't know. Is it worth watching? I'm not sure. But, like, was it fun? Absolutely. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I'm on the episode where the person gets, well, I probably shouldn't say it. I'm very much in the beginning. I'm just taking my time. I'm trying not to be like, I've noticed that shows in general are a little bit overwhelming in quarantine because I am like, I actually have the time. And so I get overwhelmed by the fact that like, oh, this commitment is like a serious commitment. So I've been veering more towards movies so that I have a sense of accomplishment after like Uh, an hour and a half. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't really watch movies. And I like shows because you get to stay with the characters for long periods of time. There's attachment issues, apparently. But I agree, like, during quarantine, I like, 20 minutes is the most I've really been able to do TV, except for a couple times. And I, otherwise, I'd get too anxious. I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Have you guys watched McMillionaire? McMillions? No. McMillionaire? No. I've never even no. heard of it. It's on HBO. Um, it's about the Monopoly, McDonald's Monopoly scandal. It's so good. It's crazy. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> it's so crazy. And, like, there's this one FBI guy that's just hilarious. Oh, my God. It's really good. It's a documentary. So I love documentaries. Real. There, uh... Is it a... Oh, go for it. No. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it a... Is it a documentary like a one like a you know like just a documentary like a movie or is it one of those docu no it's it's a docu-series oh yeah. okay okay it's we it's the one thing that I've been watching where I've like commit we've committedly watched it like three days in a row now and every time we get home we're like okay let's watch another episode there's enough like difference there's like seriousness I like the crime element there's some humor. There's quite a bit of humor. There's real, I don't know, there's like a lot of dimension to it. And so I feel like, whereas I started watching Castle Rock and it's just so much murder and now it's into like this satanic. And I'm just like, I can't. I just can't. I love Like, I need this. Love so do Castle I. Rock. Normally, I do the new one. I want to watch the new one. Seasons or a phenomenal. I couldn't. I'm struggling with the second season, like, that hard. Like, I just, when they started getting into, like, the reincarnated satanic, I was just like, I'm over it. I don't know. I just can't. I loved season one, and I just can't get into season two. I was really excited about the Annie story because Misery was the scariest movie. Like, that is the movie that terrified the shit out of me when I was a kid and got me hooked on horror movies. And so I was really excited about that plot line. Um, and I'll finish it out. Maybe it'll end. And I'll be like, oh, okay. I'm glad I stuck with it. But right now I'm really struggling to get past episode seven. Oh, what was the other? I don't remember. This is going to be pointless. Continue. <laughs> there was um, some show on Netflix that you would probably like um and it was all in german but it was really good oh it's called uh dark yes thank you yeah oh yeah i did watch that it's super good, it's really good. yeah i like that 
I was going to say, if you like the first season of Castle Rock, then you'd probably like Dark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just the, like, dem- I usually like satanic, demonic things. I just, I don't know. It's just, like, too... Maybe, Maybe it's I don't the time. Know. It's not the right time to... I don't know. It's, like, every time I go to watch it, and then I'm just, like, that guy, the first guy, Ace, comes on, yeah. and I'm, like, all right, I'm over it. Okay. <laughs> Ace. Good old Ace. I don't know what Castle Rock is. And actually, to be honest, when you said Castle Rock, I pictured Fraggle Rock. And I was like, <laughs> really? You're, what? <laughs> like, you're watching Fraggle? Fraggle Rock Maya. Cool. <laughs> it's um... like, yeah. And then you started talking about like satanic stuff and demonic yeah. stuff. And it's like, it's okay, a, that's not the same. Yeah. yeah. It's a Stephen King adapted series. Yeah. I love Stephen King. I don't, like, I get really sad when I think about Stephen King now because he's older. And I know that someone always comes along, but I just feel like he's such an icon and his brain is just so unique. And I don't know if there's anyone out there right now, at least, that is in my awareness that compares or even comes close to Uh -uh. his Uh, mind. Well, um, who's the guy who directed oh shit um oh my god i can it's like i can see it keep quiet or uh, shut up or uh, stay out or get out get out that get out i think it's get out <laughs> yeah um jordan peele Did he, he he's a director he, though, not the I, writer right i thought he was writing too Did he? okay because that's like the yeah. thing with Stephen King. I mean, he writes amazing novels, and then he's like writing screenplays, and then he's directing all the shit. Like he's just so yeah, it's fucking talented. He writes them too. Okay, he writes them and directs. I think he he right now is my favorite horror director. I think he's totally pushing the envelope, but doing it in a way that encapsulates like a lot of di- interesting, unique like twists and uh, uh, I just want him to keep going. I'm like, keep going, man. Like keep pushing it. Keep go like. What's I know that's not your weirdest thing, <laughs> and so I want to see that. So I talk with Kane about that all the time. Hey, friends, here to share an exciting announcement with you. If you remember Chelsea from season two of the podcast, she recently opened up her own meditation studio down in Dallas. But even more exciting, she just launched an online portal where you can get access to meditation classes, workshops, and content from people like Rachel, and even some of our other guests, Brooke, who's on in season two, they have meditation and content in this portal. It's $19.99 per month, and you can get access to it no matter where you are in the world. So congratulations, Chelsea, and make sure to check that out. We will link it in the show notes. Now back to the podcast. All right. I think we should introduce Maya. Yeah. Uh, all right. So today I'm super excited to introduce Maya Geis. Uh, she is one of my friends that I met. I don't even know. We've never actually met in person. (laughs) We are virtual friends. We've been virtual friends for several years. She's from Regina in Saskatchewan. Um, She's a former spin instructor and very interested in psychology with a focus in neuroscience. 
uh, currently working towards a coaching certification with a program called Becoming a Soul Coach. So we have some overlap in interests and I think we met one time, like several years ago on a virtual training through Lululemon and just ended up in a Zoom pair off room together and just like never stopped talking. So <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast, Maya. Hello. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you. You have been somebody that has been like a consistent thread for me on, on so many levels. I feel like I can talk, I can talk to you about anything. And you hold a very, very beautiful space for me to process my life. So thank you for being that for me. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, I mean, just getting to talk to you at any time, Rachel, is always like, is always a highlight. It's always so, so fun. And I don't know. I agree. Like we can talk about anything. I don't know. know. We've gone gone some weird places before. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so last, Janelle, I don't remember who we were talking to. And I was saying like, yeah, I find myself just talking. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, several hours later, I'm like, oh, shit, we've been talking for that was Maya. Uh, (laughs) We were both like, we were both like, oh, my gosh, we have to go. Um, Anyways. I I thought you were going to say, because you're talking about Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan. My bad. I also love telling people that I have a friend from Saskatchewan because it's so fun to say. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. Why don't you, Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, Maya, why don't you tell us where Saskatchewan is? Tell the people since nobody from the U S any Canadian (laughs) provinces. Yeah. So Saskatchewan is, I wouldn't say it's right in the middle of Canada, but it's pretty close. It's right above North Dakota. Um, and interestingly enough, it's the only province in Saskatchewan that has all man-made borders. So when you look at it, it looks like, I don't know, not a rectangle, but kind of like a rectangle. And yeah, it's all prairie and it's, I think it's beautiful, but a lot of people here think it's kind of weird and boring, but yeah, it's like right in the middle of Canada. I actually live very close to the U.S. border because most of Canadian cities are there. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. If you look on a map, it's like right above North Dakota. I'm looking at a map right now. (laughs) So Manitoba is probably above Wisconsin. You know what? I'm going to say yes, but then again, I don't really know yeah. a whole lot of geography in there either. So. I wouldn't expect you. Sorry, that was very... <laughs> I don't know yeah, where your provinces lived... are, but I expect you to know where our states are. Sorry. Um, how American of when... me. <laughs> yeah, when I lived in Vancouver, it was just like, I didn't even know they were called provinces. I was like, I'm an asshole. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was the same thing. And when I lived up there, I actually could name all of them. But now I, I can't even remember how many there are. It's nine or 11? Nine? There is, oh my gosh, don't even, why, oh, <laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> okay, I that makes me feel better. <laughs> there's 10 provinces and there's three territories, if okay. I am correct. And I am sorry to all of you Canadians listening if I'm incorrect on that. You know what, though? Like, within the U.S., I'm now in Dallas. And when I tell people that I used to live in Milwaukee, they'll be like, oh, is that in Chicago? Or like, they'll be like, what? It's like they get the states and the cities mixed up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So it's not just a 
country to country thing. It's also within the country. You know, we aren't very up on the up and up. Anyways, yeah. okay. So Maya, why don't you tell us? Wait, can I just um, correct myself? Sure. Um, wait, shoot. What is it called? Ontario is above mm-hmm. Wisconsin, not not the other one. Good to know. <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in case anybody asks me where Ontario is, <laughs> it's above Minnesota and Wisconsin. Ontario is very, very large. <laughs> Actually, one one really funny thing is when you travel as a Canadian and, and people go, "Oh, where are you from?" and you say you're from Canada, they'll go, "Oh, are you from Vancouver or Toronto?" And I don't know if you're looking at a map right now, but Vancouver and Toronto are like four or five provinces yeah. apart. Like you're like that's East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> Yeah, we're like, um, it's basically it's huge. Like it's yeah, I'm in I always tell just tell people I'm in the middle of that. Like I'm I'm right in between the two. They're like, Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. People in the States do that too though. When I tell them I'm from Wisconsin, I mean I guess it's kind of true, but like I'll go home and I'm out in California now, so on the West Coast and they'll be like, Have fun on the East Coast and I'm like, not really the East Coast, but just middle America, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I digress. What were you going to say, Rachel? <laughs> Geography. Oh, I, no, I was just going to say, Maya, do you want to tell us how you got to, <laughs> how you got here? <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and okay. yeah, just give us a little bit of background. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I worked um, for, as you said, we met through Lululemon and I worked with them for a while and I got really into um like vision and goal coaching and um like you know chasing goals and making goals and how to how to like achieve goals and then as well as when I started working at Lemon I got kind of in touch with a spin studio here and um ended up working for them and I actually um taught those classes for almost three and a half years um by the time I left and during that time um I experienced a lot of ups and a lot of downs and I what I loved about it was I loved the connection to music and movement um and I loved the the growth that I was seeing in myself and in others I have since uh moved from both of those jobs and I am doing something totally different now but as Rachel mentioned I am now in a coaching program and I am looking uh, into studying psychology and the connection to neuroscience. And what I'm really, really interested in is how our brain and our bodies connect and how we can kind of achieve like overall wellness. And I'm really looking back on my own experience in, you know, kind of vision and goals and goal coaching and um, being an instructor and my role and my history with the fitness industry um, and really looking at how that all ties together and how with all of that we can you know actually be really physically and mentally well I love that and we've been really this year it's kind of interesting the coaching program that I'm in now because I'm doing another one is very much about embodied presence is what they call it and so it's listening to self, gaining self-awareness, not just through cognition, but actually the idea that the mind is the full system, not just the output of the brain. And so 
when you kind of, that's a paradigm, that's been a paradigm shift for me of how do I actually listen to my body for insights into what my experience is. And a lot of times what I'm learning is that our body knows before our thoughts show up. And so if we can slow down enough to notice the sensations in our body, that's actually a sooner part of the process, a sooner part, an earlier part of the process where you can start to tweak um, programming, uh, uh, pre-existing programming, automatic programming, and habits and thoughts that don't serve you. So I I know as you've been evolving your um, your relation or um, your journey to you know, do I want to do coaching? Do I want to do psychology? I've loved the science, your science base, um, your science back, your science passion. Um, I feel like it's been really cool to be on that journey with you. And then to have the program that I'm working on be integrating science and talking about body and then your experience going through, man, I'm, I'm doing something that's supposed to be well for my body and my body is actually breaking down right now. And what does that mean? And what happens? So I, I've appreciated this like organic way that our journeys have paralleled, but complemented each other in the recognition that it's a, it's a full system that we're working with here. Not just, you know, the mind is the output of the brain. And then the body's this dumb thing that just like follows along, which is a very, what I'm learning from my coaching program, a very Cartesian view um, where they separated out the mind and the body for very, very many reasons. Um, but today, you know, we know that it, it, we are starting to know that it is actually one system and what happens when we actually allow ourselves to experience life from that place, not just a, you know, cognitive knowing, but an experiential knowing that that really does change the way it's changed the way I live life actually. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like you nailed that. Like that's exactly kind of, you know, how, what my experiences entailed and what I've really come to notice is I think, um, you know, we as humans, especially in today's day and age, I think we're, we're kind of getting there and we're starting to realize that there is a connection between the body and the brain and that it actually signals back and forth. And there is studies about how like, mental health really begins in the gut and it's like a you know it's a signal that goes back and forth and but I think you know we have really given the brain a lot of credit for all of the things that we do and really like we focus on that so much and we we tend to lead with our thought and with our mind and our rational brain and I mean even you know you pointing out like that I do tend to gravitate towards sciences. I even fell in that was I was looking a lot at my rational thinking and I was really studying it. And, but I was totally in the process, ignoring what my body was telling at me or telling me. And in the end, it was screaming at me. It was literally, I felt like it was screaming at me. Like I have told you time, time again, that this is not working for you and you are hurting yourself more than you are helping yourself. And it really took me looking into that mind body connection and listening to what my body was telling me and pausing and taking some time and not just pushing, pushing, pushing for me to realize that my body was actually a lot smarter in that moment. And it was telling me, you know, 
what I kind of needed to be doing and where I needed to be backing off and kind of what I, what I needed in order to be like healthy and well, and just, yeah, just kind of, it was just telling me like, Hey, you need to slow down. You need to be present and you need to look at what's going on. And I think that you need to make a change and yeah. We've, I, we've kind of talked about this before in the podcast, but especially in, in the fitness industry, I've, and and the wellness industry in general, but it's like people think, oh, I'm supposed to exercise, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to be active, and yes, but that can obviously be flipped, and you can do it too much, but like no one, like people don't really talk a lot about the too much side of it, and also there, like you all mentioned, there's just like not a connection to our body, so it's hard, like I had the same thing, like I just couldn't, in my mind, like figure out or I mean I could but I wasn't doing it and I had never been taught in any you know I'm a certified personal trainer I've done all of these trainings and the people don't really talk about that side of like what should your body feel like and even now it's funny in therapy and through life coaching the people are asking me like what is your body telling you what does it feel like in your body and I've done again all of these trainings and taken the anatomy courses and the physiology courses and I feel like I don't have language or like an understanding of how to describe like what's happening in like what I'm feeling in my body which is sort of funny right I'm like well I could I'm flexion extension you know you can get into all the science parts but but to actually just like sit and like examine as an observer of your body I, I like struggle to figure out how to describe it and identify what it's trying to tell me. Yeah. When you you bring up it, I I can't I can't recall the exact question you just said, but what just came up for me while you were talking is that a lot of times my friends who are endurance athletes or who are helping people, you know, with their fitness, they have tended to talk about, and this is probably a blanket statement, so just take it for that. Um, they tend to say like, okay, you need to change your mindset. Like your body's going to want to give up or like your mind's going to want to give up before your body does or something like that. Have you heard that before in things? Yes. Yeah. And like, and so if you aren't aware of the signals your body body is telling you, then that could actually come across as you just ignoring and pushing through for the sake of pushing through. And so it's kind of interesting that it's like, yes, and there's more. It's like, it's all of these things. And it's figuring out how to tell what are your signals and when a certain signal means for you, we got to stop. This is not safe. And when the signal is, oh, I'm just afraid or I've never done this before. And so I'm not sure um, because I can say for me, when when I and after I had cancer, I didn't push myself before cancer. I used to push my body to its maximum. I would run races until I threw up and I would do all this stuff. And then afterwards, I didn't realize this until you were talking, but I was like, I don't think that I fully trusted my body because my body got cancer. And so I didn't know, like, could I push myself too far and actually hurt myself? And so 
I had to re and I still am rediscovering like when is my body telling me to stop because this is like an edge that I can push a healthy edge I can push and when is it a a signal of no we're going into dangerous territory now and that conversation for sure is not happening at all it's kind of just go all go for it or like I am legitimately injured and so now I have to stop (laughs) yeah no it's totally like it's not a conversation I think that we're having at all and I think too when you talk about running races until you puke like that's something that's glorified like it's and I don't think that everybody does that but it is something that tends to be glorified right it's that like pushing yourself past your max and like somehow that's considered to be growth and like if you're not there and you're not doing that you're not you're not working hard enough whereas I don't think that that's the case at all and even in my situation with um you know teaching spin and being in fitness and even too when I was younger and you know playing sports and being an athlete it was it was the same thing like the the people who did it you know the people who spin you know one two three four times a day every day it tends to be glorified and that tends to be like wow look at how strong this person is and look at how um like well they're able to push through it and it's you know you talk about that whole your mind gives up before your body does and it's like wow look at this person you know like it was they really they really pushed through that and they really they really did something whereas the people who are only there once or twice a week for whatever reason that may be they don't get that attention and they don't get that that recognition and it's I don't think it's something even that we do consciously it's you know we think oh well this person did it three times a day we should recognize them but at the same time what that ends up doing is it ends up creating this like mentality and this um I put it like this environment for that to grow and then everybody sees that and go well I should be doing that and I should be working harder and clearly I'm not fit enough or I'm not athletic enough and it creates this like lack mentality and it creates this you know this idea that we all need to be doing that when in reality I think some people can do that and I think some people are capable and I've seen people like that but there are other people who that just doesn't work for. And for whatever reason, whether you have an ailment or even you don't, you know, like you, you need to really look at what it is you need and what's going to benefit you because what's going to benefit you is not what's going to benefit the next person. Um, And I, even as an instructor got into that where I was, you know, the idea was that if you didn't have enough rides on the schedule that you weren't considered you know, like a, like a senior motivator or whatever. And it was really pushed that we needed more rides. We needed more rides, but I physically couldn't do them, but I was instead pushing myself like, okay, you're going to pick up two extra rides. You're going to pick up three rides. You're going to pick up an extra four rides this week. And you are going to prove that you can do it. And I kid you not every single time I did that, I got sick. So I would you know, teach seven rides a week. And then the week after or the week after that, I was ill and like really sick. Like I was getting really sick to the point where I couldn't move my body and like I couldn't stand. And I was like, just, I was just so ill. And this was just happening over and over again. And it was a cycle. And it was what I realized in the end was I wasn't listening to what my body was telling me. I was listening to the 
expectations that were put in place for me and what I felt was what I had to do in order to be good at my job, in order to to do it. When in reality, I was good at it with the amount that I was doing it at. And the more I did it, the worse it got for me. That is very relatable coming from the the studio. And it, it, you know, it is, it depends on your background. Because again, I, I think for some people, if you haven't ever been in the fitness industry or the world, you know, it's like, they'll celebrate a little bit more, probably something that's like 30 minutes of exercise. I went on a walk today. I you know, walked on the treadmill or whatever, but definitely in that industry. And when Rachel and I were at Spire too, I mean, I can't count the number of times that I had to tell clients, like, you don't need to be here this month. Like you actually don't. And not from like a, oh, financial, you know, you have a membership standpoint, but like you physically, there's no reason to be here this much. I mean, if you just want to hang out with us, cool, that's great. But it's not going in your body. And granted, I was giving that advice to other people, but it was the same thing. I was teaching 15 to 20 classes a week. Granted, they weren't all classes where I had to do the whole class myself. But in addition to that, then I was still going to a CrossFit gym. I was doing my own workouts. I was training for races. I was stressed. I mean, I never slept at that job either, basically, because <laughs> my schedule was so weird and I, you know, I couldn't get into any sort of rhythm. And I thought I was so healthy and fit. And even in some ways, I probably appeared to be that way to other people. But by the time I left that job, I mean, my hair was falling out. Like I was becoming like very, very ill in my body. Um, but it was, that was the expectation. Like you said, all the other instructors, um, you know, they were teaching a ton of classes and there, I also know for me, like I'm not built really to be an endurance athlete, but when you're around all these other people that maybe have more of that stamina than you do, like I was trying to be like them and not listening to my body and it just doesn't, it doesn't work, but I was getting praised for it. Yeah. Yeah, I get the praise thing for sure. Mm -hmm. It's like the more you do it, the more you get noticed. And then the more, the more people notice that and it's like, okay, if you keep doing that, you'll get here. But it's so it's so it's hard because you just keep doing it. You're like, yeah, okay, I'm doing something right when really, it's like in the end, it's, you know, it's not actually benefiting you. And that's hard. That's hard to acknowledge. I mean, and it became a part of my worth. Like that was like, I mean, you could extend, it was kind of one and the same again, because it was my career and my fitness all in one. But because I was praised so much for like, it's like, you work so hard. You're always at the studio. You're always teaching. Like that became a huge part of my identity and what I was contributing in life. And so to be able to step back and do less, then you're like, I'm, I have less worth, right? That was like my, I had to decouple those thoughts, which was really hard for me of like, okay, it's not just about productivity and teaching and being fit and doing all of these workouts. Uh, you have to disconnect those. Like you can provide other things in life other than that. Yeah. Yeah. And in my current coaching program, we talk about, you know, the ego versus the soul. And, you know, I was asked by the coach when I was talking about the fact that I I knew that it wasn't right for me anymore. And I knew like deep in my soul that this isn't what I could do. And she just asked me, 
why are you still there? What's, what's keeping you there? And in that moment, I realized, I was like, this is fully my ego. This is driving my worth. Like you said, this is, you know, it makes me feel good to go and to hear what people have to say. And while I still love doing it, regardless of whether it's, you know, it's for my soul or for my ego, like I, I love everything about it, but I know that I can't do it anymore. And me staying is me just not wanting to give it up and not wanting to give up what, you know, kind of what it does for me and, and for my ego. I I love, I mean, I love this conversation for so many reasons. Um, I loved your call out Maya of like, for some people, it, it works. There is an aspect of like, they can do all the classes in a day. And I'd be curious to actually sit and slow things down a little bit to really ask them, like, is this serving you? Um, but I, I do think it's important to acknowledge that every body is different, which means that some people can, their bodies can actually handle like extreme intense things. And, um, it's almost just like when we talk about nutrition, Janelle, of like, you know, a certain set of foods works for me, a certain set of foods, that same set of foods doesn't work at all for you. And we haven't necessarily gotten to that nuance besides preference within the physical movement aspect of wellness. I think it's, at least for me as like, I'm, I'm in that industry. I've been in that industry, but not, I have not had the extensive training that you have at all, Janelle. And so in, for me, it's like, I know that some high intense interval training is good. I know that, um, I should do some cardio. I should be doing some lifting. I should be doing some stretching. Like I know that there should be a balance, but it kind of just becomes a matter of like, you know, what I'm interested in. Or, um, you know, if I'm not sure, I'll just do what I think I'm supposed to do versus what is it, like you said, like, I'm not built to be an endurance athlete. And I was like, I think that I am, but I don't even know. Maybe I'm not. Um, and so there is, I think, just acknowledging that there's all ends of the spectrum and that it's not that one thing is right or wrong. It's just that different things exist for different people. Um but where do we even have the space to have that conversation? And how would the industry actually look different if there was space for people to start to understand what does my body actually need today? Like what does, I don't, I guess I'm just like, it's maybe, um, I guess I would be curious. What do you guys think it would look different? What would look different if we were actually, if there was actually space for people to know or ask themselves or have a conversation around what their body actually needed. I that I feel like you almost need a class on that cuz even again, I have background and training on all the like the thing not all the things, but a lot of the things in the body and I still like yes, I have recognition but don't necessarily have the language and like you all mentioned, it's almost slowing down it. Like I can envision a class where it's like you do something but then you actually move slow enough to check in and be like, what does this feel like? And some of that, that's actually one of the reasons why I loved teaching TRX so much is because at least for me, and I always hoped that people in my class too would feel it, it, there was a sense of body awareness that I didn't get in a lot of other 
types of classes that I taught, like, um, you know, cycling, even kickboxing, a lot of it, it's moving, you're, you're hitting the beat, you're just kind of going and going and going. And a lot of times in the TRX classes, it was like, okay, we're going to slow down, we're going to do this at tempo, you're really going to feel everything. And that was something that got me introduced a more into body awareness and, and what feels good for me. So I could see something like that, but it's, I feel like there's so much more than even just that, like, even just like, okay, how does this feel in my shoulders? Am I pulling my shoulders together the right way? There's like that level. And then there's also, I don't know, like, I, again, like in some of the, the coaching work that we've been doing too, it's just like, how does, what does it feel like in your heart? What does it feel like in your stomach? Like, what does it, you know, there's, there's so much more that we're not tapping into in the fitness industry that we could be. Well, yeah, and it's like even in Dallas, I found that because it's everybody is workout obsessed here, like very much. And yet in the last, I mean, since I've been here, I've definitely seen people start to recognize that the restorative aspect of movement is very important. And so I am actually hearing people like before I moved here, I used to hear people be like, well, if I'm, I'm not going to go to a yoga class unless I'm like sweating. It was just like, there's no point in me wasting my time. If I'm going to spend an hour doing something, it's not going to be, you know, a yin yoga class. And, (laughs) (laughs) and now I hear people recognizing like, yeah, I need to make sure that I am incorporating times to stretch and times to, um, um, allow my body to, to not heal is not the word that they use, but kind of just like really restore. There's like a relaxation and restorative, but I still, I still don't even think that that is coming from a place of inner knowing. I think that's coming from a place of, I now have seen enough people or heard enough that that is like a thing on an on-trend thing to do. And so I'm going to incorporate it into my, you know, regimen because I know that I should. It's not because I actually, I I mean, I think whoop for you, Janelle, has been huge because you have something that's telling you, you actually aren't at a place where you should be doing anything else right now. And it's like, you might want to, but you're, it's going to be detrimental to you. And so you might not be able to feel it, but you at least have an indicator on your wrist that then you can check in with your body. What are the sensations that I'm feeling now that it's saying I'm depleted? What is consistently there in my body when I'm de- when it says I'm depleted that I may not have noticed before? So that you can, I mean, maybe eventually you don't even need to wear the whoop because you are so tuned in to your own body that you know, like today I need a restoration. And, um, and so it's interesting to me that like, I I think at at large, the elements of what we need, like, I love seeing that restorative practices and slowed down practices are becoming, uh, you know, on trend, so to speak. And I, we still have not figured out how to use them for us. It's still a, tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll just do it um, scenario, which I think works until it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm such a big fan of whoop, but even it's funny because I have whoop wearable and highly recommend, like if you just want to start to learn more about your body, like the biggest thing with 
the wearable for me is actually less about the activity and more about the recovery. And that's what they really focus on, which I think is a really cool flip compared to all the other wearables where it's like, how many steps are you getting? Da 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 da. How many calories are you burning? It's like, this is how recovered are you? And what do you need to do to take care of your body? Like they, they framed it in that way, which is really cool. And even having that as a tool, they, I mean, they give you so much data, which I'm a big data geek, um, but you can watch it. And I'm still every month, I'm always overreaching. Like it doesn't matter, even though I have that tool. And even if like, I think I've taken it way back compared to what I used to do. And even, I mean, even in quarantine, I'm like, I'm basically running, doing yoga and meditating, which, and hiking, which for me feels very light. And I feel like, I mean, I've already feel like I've lost all my muscles and whatever but I like you look at it because of all the stress and because of everything else that is going on in your system like I'm still overreaching and I think that's like a really hard pill for my ego to swallow and to look and say you constantly overdo it even when you don't even think you're doing anything I have days where I don't even work out and the strain on my body is still too high you know, and that's so, crazy. Yeah. And so to have that awareness, I mean, like, I wish I was doing more about it, I guess, but it's, it's pretty crazy just to like, compared to my old mindset where it was like, if you don't work out two, three times a day, six days a week, you're weak, you're, you know, you're not strong enough, you're not doing it hard enough. And now I'll just go on a walk and do my normal day to day activities and look and realize that I'm still in many ways doing too much for what my body is ready to take on and that is mind-blowing to me compared to what I used to do oh I I feel that like I Rachel I think it was you who talked about you know it's be like okay I'm not going to do a yoga class unless I'm sweating and that was something like I used to do yoga for stretching and to you know to breathe and like for it to be restorative and then started working at a job where everybody was doing yoga and then that was the mindset and it was like okay well I'm only going if I'm going to get a workout in or if I'm going to get a stretch and then I was like okay so I guess I should be going to hot yoga or I should always be going to vinyasa or whatever right and then at that point you know you go too hard too fast and I think if you talk to you know yogis and instructors they always you know talk about like don't don't push yourself too far don't go too far but I think also even in yoga there's that idea like if you're not doing all of the things if you're not you know moving with everybody like there's still that there's still that ego there right there's still that whole like I gotta do what everybody else is doing and I have to be getting a sweat and this has to be a workout when if you talk to people who have trained and study yoga and who really look at it for its benefits and why it was created that's like the total the total opposite of it and I was the same way as you Janelle where it was like okay I have to work out multiple times a day or if I'm gonna work out I'm going to do an hour long like you know a high intensity workout where I'm you know like flipping tires or I'm pulling or pushing sleds or I'm sprinting or whatever, which is just not at all what, what I can handle and what I can do. But I was just like pushing and pushing and pushing. And what I realized is it's what I, what's actually beneficial is almost like surrendering and, and 
listening to what I need before I do it. And I've actually been looking into that whoop because I'm, I'm very interested in it. And I, do it. I think I want to try it. Do and it. I think that, that, yeah, is like, it looks really cool. I and I think that that's it. exactly what I need. Yeah. Like I, I would not be surprised if I'm still doing too much and same as you, I'm meditating and I'm doing, I've been doing like tear into me workouts, which are super fun. Um, and basically just stretching and doing yoga. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if I'm doing them too often or like too many things a day, because I, I do, I just have that idea that I have to be doing more and I have to keep going. Otherwise, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. And I, I think when we think about the future of the wellness industry, if that doesn't change and that, um, you know, if, if we don't adjust or if, you know, we don't start creating new ways or like looking at things like TRX, like you said, where it's like a focus on the muscles and how your body's feeling or really promoting things more like meditation or even meditation within, you know, your workout, um, or just like a pause or a time to breathe or to check in, um, right. Or encouraging the pauses and the stops. What's going to happen is that some of these things I think are eventually going to be a little bit vilified and it's going to be like, Oh, this is bad for you, or this doesn't work, or this has a high injury rate or, you know, like, and then what's going to happen is that those things potentially fail. Whereas like, I really don't want to see that because I think some of those, those, you know, workouts like yoga, for example, like is, is so beneficial. And I think, you know, I would hate to see for something like, you know, vinyasa or like a hot yoga to, to go down that route where, you know, people are pushing themselves too hard or past the limit, or, you know, they're, they're passing out from the heat or whatever. And for that to suddenly be something that nobody wants to do. Um, I mean, I can't say what the future of it would be, but I could see, you know, I think we've seen it with things before where we think something's really great. And then it comes out of the woodwork that it's not working for people. And then all of a sudden we're in a space where everybody's like, well, no, that thing's bad. I don't want to do that. And we're going to move on. And that's just kind of going to be like a cycle. It's like the egg, the nutri in, in nutrition. <laughs> it's like, the yes. egg's great. The egg's terrible. The egg's great. The egg's terrible. The egg's great. The egg's terrible. But I think you're right. It's like anything, anything at too much of a, an extreme and it, and anything claimed to be like universally anything. It's like, you got to kind of check in with yourself a little bit because I know when you started telling me about your, well, I didn't really know exactly what your issue or your injuries were, but I had started hearing other people who were going to a lot of cycling classes were starting to have hip issues. And then I started reading into it and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I used to be, when I first, like spin got me back into my body after years of dancing. And then I stopped because it was hard to go to dance and to see me not be as good as I used to be. So it was like an ego bruise. <clears throat> and then I found cycling. And I loved it. And it was something that I could improve upon. And like, I used to take two days multiple times. And I, I have, there is an, I have an injury on my, it's like my right glute hamstring from uh, probably pushing too heavy, not warmed up something. 
not knowing proper form, not understanding and just going. And I was young. So like your body can kind of like withstand a lot. So I just like kept doing it. And now I've had to basically do exercises that allow me to have strength where I've stretched out that tendon and where like it'll it won't go ever go back and and that's not like a oh no you know I just have a very different relationship now when I'm running or when I'm doing things and I feel tweaks I actually pay attention now like what's the placement of your foot what muscle is not holding itself right now because I learned younger to do exercise any exercises without properly holding my body. And so I knew how to just do it and push through. But now that I'm in my late thirties, it's like, I feel the effects of that a whole hell of a lot more. And so now I use some of those workouts to understand where I'm not strong so that I can build up the muscles around those parts of me that maybe got pushed too hard when I was younger or, you know, aren't strong enough to actually hold me up, even though it seems like I have the willpower. I have grit. I'm fucking tough as nails. I could do it. Okay, cool. And your body is still at a certain point where it actually doesn't have the muscle to be able to properly hold you up during this. It's like, um, and I think Janelle, actually in your TRX classes, it's, it was an invitation for me of like, if you can do it, you know, here are some options. And if you can do it, you know, in like the advanced, I don't even think you called it advanced. Like if you can do it in option three, where you're like doing it on the tip of your toe, like, I don't know, I'm just like making that up, you know, cool. And it might actually be better serving your body to do two tricep dips with your, you know, not seemingly very inclined, but do them properly so that you're building the muscles properly. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so I think even to your point, like being able to incorporate allowing instructors to be able to have that language, to have their experience for them to understand. It's not about modifying for people who don't know how to do it. It's like going back to the basics is important for anyone because anything that we can do without thinking means that we're doing it without thinking, (laughs) which means that we're not listening. And if you could go back to like the simple, like what are the original intentions of this? What are the original purposes of this? How am I experiencing? You can actually get a really hard workout by doing like, you know, minimal, less things really slowly and intentionally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I find that and I have not always been perfect at this. So <laughs> as thank you for complimenting my teaching, but like I learned that for sure. And still there were times where, you know, you'd push people. Um, but I'll never forget, like I used to teach a, just a 25 minute, and I say just a 25 minute core class. That was one of the hardest classes I like personally felt even to take. And what I have found is like, you can do tons of crazy core stuff with the TRX straps. But when you just slow it down like you said be intentional even just hold a plank for 10 seconds but make it the best fucking plank that you can do i mean i could destroy myself in 10 seconds but you also have to learn that level of activation and that's the hard part because i also remember like i would teach classes where we would move really slow 
and I, I still remember this. It's ingrained in my brain and it still hurts. But someone from class pass came in and they're like, that class sucked. We just did like four movements really slow and it was a waste of my time. And I'm like, and this is why, <laughs> and this is why we actually need to do more of this because you like people need to learn how to activate those muscles and do it like correctly. It doesn't have to be like, we're going to do bicycle crunches as fast as we can for as long as we can. We can actually do less reps, but make them better. And even when I do my core work now, and this took like, again, I'm still not perfect at it. And it took me a really long time to learn, but certain things like when you're on your back and you're, you're dropping your legs towards the floor. Like I do that with bent knees now. Why? Because I'm able to activate more of my core than if I straighten my legs because then I'm starting to get in my hip flexors because things just like actually yep. aren't strong enough to do that. But that's like a big ego check of just like, nope, not going to do it this way, that way because I can actually get a better workout doing the quote unquote easier option because all the muscles are actually activating versus if I do the more advanced option, then... I'm actually just like not even in my, I mean, your hip flexors are part of your core, but like I'm not in, you know, the entire core. Like I'm just pushing on my hip flexors and being like, these are strong. Let's focus on those, um, which is a hard, like it's more mental than it is physical to be able to like take that step back and check. Yes. I, I think that so often when we do, I don't know, especially core workouts. And I find too, like, yoga can be like this is it's always like what looks the best but on the outside it's like oh what looks the hardest or what looks like it's the most challenging and people then and like myself included because I've done this as well where it's like okay well I have to do that version or I'm not getting a good workout whereas like you said like doing you know the leg like raises and like lowers with your knees bent can actually be just as beneficial if not more beneficial depending on you know like where you're at and how your body's feeling um and yeah it's it's totally an ego thing right it's you want to be doing what everybody else is doing or what that instructor is doing or that thing that you saw on instagram or on that video that you watched right and it's hard it's hard to to make that switch and it's hard to make that check but I think yeah like going back to the basics like you said Rachel that is so important for for everybody and I think yeah it's almost like a moving up from there as opposed to here's the hardest one here's where you want to be and then like making adjustments for people who can't do it I think that that is such a smart way to go and I think that that's such a such a good idea for you know all of us in the fitness industry, or even if you're just somebody who wants to be healthier and you want to, you know, do better, it's like starting at the basics and then learning that way by going up as opposed to starting at the top. And then if that's not working or you hurt yourself or, you know, it's just not doable for you moving back because sometimes then it's too late, right? You've already created that, that injury or that, um, imbalance or that, you know, you've, you've got whatever that repetitive stress injury or that, you know, that thing that's holding you back from, from being able to do it fully now. And then it's going to take even longer for you to rehab that or you to relearn that or you to, you know, focus on that. So. 
Yeah, I'm really taking away from this the invitation to, I mean, if you're listening and you're like, wow, I wonder, you know, I maybe I can't afford Whoop or whatever. Like even just being able to take something from your routine or like a crunch or a plank. I love that. Do a 10 second plank. Like take something and really slow it down so much. Like, I mean, one lunge, you could do one forward lunge very slowly and intentionally look up what the proper form is, understand what it's act, what muscles are actually supposed to be activated and just see what it feels like to do that. And, and pay attention to like, just noticing that like, it doesn't have to be that you do 10 with a hundred pounds and like, or not 10, like a hundred at a hundred pounds times four, like, you know, do do three really well where you properly engage things and see what that difference is. Do your pushups. I started doing all my pushups on my knees and I absolutely feel like because I don't have strong arms and I can very quickly dump into different parts of my body, uh, particularly my elbows. And when I go on my knees, I can actually hold my muscles in a way that builds the strength properly. And so I think there is an invitation without a you know larger sweeping industry change of just us as individuals recognizing this in ourselves and taking a stand for ourselves and being like, well, I just want to experiment and play with slowing down and see what that does for me. And, and it might not be that you can totally hear your body yet. And that's okay. Cause we've never really been asked those questions. And I do think a nice way in is to check in with ego. I do think that we can recognize where our ego is coming into play. And so that maybe could be a place to start is like, who's actually making the call here? Is it my ego or is it my soul? I mean, that's a really interesting question until we learn to listen to the vocabulary of our body um, as individuals and you know, until the industry actually evolves, because I think it's going to be a while before it's an industry standard for a conversation like this to be normal. And I'll just chime into that. You can do exactly what you just described, Rachel, and outside of movement, too. Like, I've actually been practicing it now, not just when I'm working out, but also when I'm not doing anything, <laughs> which is, that's like where you can really start to you know, Hell yeah. things out where it's like, I'm sitting here, how is my body feeling right now? And I'm not yeah. even doing anything. And what is it telling me? Um, not even related to my fitness routine. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so much. And it takes like, really using all of those moments and those pauses to to listen in, I think for you to, to to start to notice those things, right? Because it can be so hard in the moment to, you know, when you're doing that, that thing that you always do. And that's what I found with teaching spin was in the moment, it was like, okay, well, I think I feel okay, I'm going to go do it. And then, you know, but in the moment, you're never thinking about that. You're never thinking about how do I feel right now? How do I, you know, and that might just be, you know, teaching it as opposed to like doing it. But, you know, I was, I was really losing that and then spent, you know, the week after wondering what went wrong, but what it really took for me to notice that was noticing how I felt when I thought about doing it or when I, you know, 
after the ride was just sitting there and going like, okay, like doing a body scan and looking at what hurt or what felt good or where in that ride did I feel, you know, uncomfortable or where did I feel really good? And yeah, it, it takes, you know, even just in those moments of pauses where you're just at home or you're just doing nothing or where you're even like driving or walking around or, you know, shopping, like just taking a moment and yeah, looking at how you feel in, you know, every part of your body and, and what's coming up for you is really what helped me to, to notice that more when I am in movement or I'm in a class or, you know, doing something, um, where I'm intentionally, you know, moving. Uh, I love this conversation so much. And I'm, I'm going to just say it, Maya, I think we should have a part two, because I think there's an aspect of your story that is super, super important to share just in the type of injury that you had. And so I would love to have you back on for a part two, if you're game to keep having this conversation. Absolutely. I am. I am so game. Okay, cool. Let's find a time to do that. Cause this is, this is really important. Um, yeah, it just feels very important in my soul <laughs> to keep holding a space for this, for people. Um, I think, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. So for today, um, I guess I'll ask you, um, how in one word do you live your true North? Respect. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, I love that. I like on many levels. I love that. Oh. <laughs> um, cool. If people wanted to get in touch with you, uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? The best way would be through Instagram. Um, don't have a lot of platforms or anything that I'm on, but I am on Instagram and I'm sure you could probably look me up by my name because it's pretty unique and I don't know a lot of people with my name but if you wanted the handle it's my name first name last name except for my first name is spelled m-a-a-a-a-i-a guys g-e-i-s so I've added a couple extra a's in my first name in my instagram handle I'm always like, how many A's are there? <laughs> well, there's actually three in my first name, but I added in an extra two in just for, I don't know, uh, purposes of comedy and irony. I don't know. because like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my uh, Rachel was like, why, why Jane L. Reese? And I was like, because I like it. <laughs> Period. <laughs> I think because it's like so similar that I'm like, wait, what? It's like an But I also wasn't there when you guys named name. it. elevated version it's like the cool version of me Uh, yeah so good um well I am obsessed with this conversation and there's so many I mean even just talking about the representations of bodies that are out there in the world and who's starting to emerge um like Mick Zazen I don't know how you say her last name but I follow her on Instagram and she's openly sharing her journey of like overdoing it and now finding that balance point for herself as her body kind of naturally evolves and changes as she becomes a an older woman and and so i think that 
I'd love to continue to have that conversation um, and just give space for this to continue to unfold because I think there's a lot of meat in here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would love to continue this conversation and it's something that I've always been, but have become so passionate about. And I would love to share more and just chat with you two more. This has been awesome. Good. Yeah, same. We'll just resend Thank you, you so much. We'll get you on okay. the calendar again. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right, you guys. Right. Thank you Bye. so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.